Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another St. Charles Stories. You know me, I'm Nate Wine, Tourism Sales Coordinator for the Alliance. Also here representing the Alliance is our marketing strategist, Rachel Garland. Hello, everyone. We have a great episode for you guys here today as we're going to be talking with Jeff Hunt, who is the founder and director uh, over at the St. Charles Singers. So, Jeff, Hello. it is great to see you today. <laughs> welcome. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, we're super excited to get to share your story and the story of the St. Charles Singers. So let's start off with you. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, how long have you been in the St. Charles area for? Favorite things to do here? And maybe a fun fact, if you want, if you have one off the top of your head. (laughs) Well, I was born, actually born and raised in St. Charles. I actually was born in Geneva, uh, Geneva Community Hospital, which is no longer there, uh, in 1958. So I've been a resident of St. Charles for, for many years, just leaving uh, once in a while to go to school, that sort of thing. I've always had my roots here. So it's, uh, I went to St. Charles High School at that, uh, when there was just one at that particular time. Okay. And so St. Charles has been a, a part of my family and my life for, for many, many years. It's just, it's a wonderful community. I think one of my favorite things to do in the community is, is uh, enjoy the parks. I think we have some of the best parks um, awesome. around and, and now we, we see a hugely vibrant uh, restaurant scene. And, and uh, so it's really, it's really been fun to see St. Charles really grow over those 65 years, 64 years. Yeah. I mean, it's it a true testament that we could keep you here, you know, and keep, you know, keep growing your livelihood here. So that's awesome that you're able to, you know, mm-hmm. stay here and be an active part of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Raised yeah, my family sure. here and, and they all went to school in the St. Charles schools system. So it's a great, it's a great community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Can you kind of touch on a little bit like where your passion from music came from, where it began, when it started, things like that? Well, actually, it began um, early on for me. I attended uh, church at Baker Memorial United Methodist Church, and we had a fantastic choir director. His name was Dr. Bethiel Gross. And I started singing in the choir then when I was just maybe five or six years old. And, and that really started to pique my interest in music. I started to love singing a lot. And then as I went through school, um, I enjoyed it even more and and had a lot of um, wonderful experiences with John Stoffel, who at that time was the high school choir director. So I think between my early experience at Baker Memorial Church and then my music making at um, at St. Charles High School, uh, that were those were really significant moments for me. As a matter of fact, the Baker um, situation is interesting because I took over from Dr. Gross when he retired in 1984. So he was my mentor at the very beginning, and then since then I've been the the, the choir director. But I think those are two the significant parts. And then along the way, just opportunities for me to um, experience music. I remember playing uh, the role, playing the role of Oliver for Wheaton College when they did it back in the, I think it was in 1970s, something like that. So I just had these moments in my early career that were just inspiring for me. I was very grateful and lucky to be able to experience those things. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then you also teach part-time at Elgin Community college, correct? I do. I, I teach part-time there. In fact, I was just telling Nate that I've been there for 17 years and wow. it's hard to believe it's been that long. I started around 2004 and what a fantastic um, college that is. I'll give it a purpose. I mean, a, a prop because I think it's just a really a, a huge asset um, to our community. Um, great students, um, really interested in learning 
great work ethic um, there. And I teach world music and I teach music history and um, music appreciation. So I, I'm part-time there. It's one of my, one of the three things I do in my musical world. I, I'm a kind of a part-time, I'm not a part-time musician, but I make my living doing all sorts of different things, right. you know, to, to make it all work. Right. So yeah, it's a, it's a very, very, it's a wonderful school. Yeah, I mean, I would say you're a full-time musician between, you know, the I, singers and teaching. Oh, I and... am. <laughs> yeah, it's just that I, you know, I don't have that one full-time job, you know, as being, right. and, which is kind of a nice thing to be able to do because it, I, I can, my life and my my day changes so dramatically, you know, it keeps me, keeps me interested and focused and on different things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, so between, you know, Alderman Community College and then also with the the singers, let's go into talking about mm -hmm. that because I think it's so cool to kind of learn about the history of uh, such an amazing organization that's been here in the community. Mm -hmm. So can you take us to like when you found founded the, the singers um, and like what goals like did you have when you first, you know, began the organization? Yeah, I, the group actually started in 1984. Um, this was not long after I graduated from Northwestern. I got a degree in choral conducting, and and I wanted to keep music alive. And not long after I graduated, I I went into business with um, joined my father's business in the textile business. So okay. I I didn't enter music full time right away, and so but I really wanted to keep music uh, alive in in my life. And I was fortunate to have siblings who all sang. <laughs> um, my brother David Hunt, who's um, uh, the owner of Townhouse Books in St. Charles, he sings in the choir. He's been singing in it from the very beginning. Okay. My sister Jennifer and my brother Greg and my wife at the time, Grace, um, we all kind of started this group together in a way. And I took the lead role of it. And then I kind of, I, I got in touch with singers that I knew I, I had worked with and graduated from St. Charles or just friends of mine in the community. And we started off then um, in 1984, just having fun as a social event to kind of just sing together and make music. At that time, we organized ourselves as a 5013C uh, charitable organization under the name of Mostly Madrigal Singers. So um, then eventually I could talk about that, the, how the name change happened. But right. So, and it, we started off as just a small group of maybe 12 or so singers. And um, that was kind of our, our origins. And I really, um, one of the goals, I think, from the very beginning, uh, even though it was kind of socially minded, was to perform choral music as the very best we could. I mean, to take the music making as seriously as we could and to see what we could do with it. But we had no idea where it was going to go, um, you know, how long the singers would stay with it. And uh, but it, it grew really from there. Yeah. No, I mean, I, it's been incredible to kind of see. I mean, I've, I've gone to a few performances in recent years and I mean, it's such high quality stuff. So mm -hmm. like, can you just take us through kind of like the history, you know, and through how you got to today, you know, okay. as you said, starting off with like 12 singers um, and then, you know, growing that organization, because how many singers do you guys have now? Right now we have a we have a cadre of about 50 singers that yeah. <clears throat> we draw from. So and, and they're not always used at the same time. Um, so after our experience in 1984, when we got started, we really found our, ourselves aligned, wanting to ally ourselves with other missions, charitable missions. And so our first actual performance in 1984 was to benefit the Salvation Army. And there's kind of an interesting story about that. We raised, oh, we'd love we, to hear uh, it. <laughs> well, okay. Well, we raised, uh, this was at the Baker Hotel. 
and okay. in the rainbow, rainbow room. And uh, we wanted to raise money for the Salvation Army. So we did. We raised $400, which was, you know, that was a great first effort for us. We we're so excited about it. So I, I took home the cash, the money, <laughs> and um, I put it in a little foil, um, piece of tin foil and put it in the meat drawer. And I, I, st- I told my wife, Grace, I said, okay, I'm putting this hiding and I'm going to put it in the meat. I'm going to deposit it in the next day, right? In the bank. And sure enough, the next day was garbage day. Oh, <laughs> and no. so she accidentally <laughs> threw out this $400 in cash. And so I went to, in the afternoon to go get it and um, it was gone. So I called my dad and I said, what am I going to do? You know, we've raised this money. He said, well, I'll, I'll loan you the $400, but you'll have to pay it back. So sure enough, you know, I was teaching at that time. I was teaching high school music up in Wakanda, which is a northern suburb, right? So I, you know, took that money out of my paycheck for a couple of weeks and <laughs> paid the Salvation Army the $400. Oh, so that was our auspicious <laughs> beginning, right? But then um, early on after that, we, we allied ourselves with Casa of King County and we did several um, series of concerts, maybe around seven to 10, focusing on Christmas performances, raising money, um, help raise money for Casa of King County. We did children's concerts and had Santa join. And, you know, it was just a, the whole, I think that's one of the things that I love about the choir so much that it came from a, of a place of, of really wanting to enter into the community and give back as much as we could. And then in the 1990s, one of the significant things musically that happened for us was we joined and became a part of the St. Charles Art and Music Festival, which was a nice. festival. Some of your um, uh, listeners will maybe remember this. It was a 10-year festival that was really significant in the life of St. Charles. We brought in really amazing artists, Itzhak Perlman, Friedrich von Stade, um, Lynn Harrell on the cello. We did theater programs. We did, we used the Norris Cultural Arts Center for wonderful performances in the Arcata. Okay. Um, yeah, it was just a remarkable thing. And the St. Charles Singers were a part of each one of those concerts, five of them. And um, uh, so that was a, a kind of a very, very important moment for us in terms of our growth. And it was towards the end of that time period that we decided to change our name. And uh, in the early 2000s, then um, we changed our name to the St. Charles Singers just because we are feeling that we needed to identify ourselves more with the community and, and the place. And, and the Mostly Madrigal Singers was kind of an innocuous name. Does that mean you perform only madrigals? Or, you know, it's just right. it was a little bit limiting. And a madrigal is, you know, it's a, a great, wonderful art form. It's secular music for unaccompanied voices. But we were starting to do a lot of other things. We were, our repertoire was changing. We were doing larger works. And, um, and uh, you know, just so we wanted to you know, kind of just open ourselves up to other repertoire. And uh, that was a significant moment. And we then at that moment um, in the mid 2000s, we pivoted ourselves to a professional organization where we started to pay our singers. And that was a huge commitment. Um, and I started to get paid as, a, as the director. So it always feels um, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a, um, a major achievement on the board. Our, we've been so lucky over the past 36, seven years to have amazing board of directors just cycle through. Um, and they made this commitment to, to become a professional organization, which meant that we hired an executive director as well. And so that was also that happened in the early 2000s. So lots That's- of important time. So I, I liked how we grew as a group. We kind of grew as a volunteer organization, building our, our awareness of what our needs were, our identity, 
and then we eventually, um, you know, grew into, uh, you know, we're the organization. We're still growing, you know, we're still evolving. We're still trying, you know, in a way um, evolving and seeing what we want to do next. And there's always that part of it. Um, so that was, that's kind of our, our history. And since, since then, boy, you know, it's, we could, we'll talk about the Mozart journey, but it's just been one, one kind of plateau on another uh, building block of, of making friends, making acquaintances and, um, and so forth in our in our community and outside the community and celebrating music as well so and celebrating music we're we have uh, about 800 pieces in our repertoire now that we've performed awesome. which it's a lot of music wow some of them might only last two minutes some might last uh, th- two two or three hours but um yeah it's a lot we've built a pretty significant repertoire that's over awesome those years. Yeah. yeah that's wonderful is mm-hmm. there something that you particularly take pride in that you've kind of accomplished throughout this group? Well, um, I think that that's such a great question because it, you know, it's hard. It's, it's kind of at this, at the soul of why I keep doing what I do. (laughs) You know, I'm, I've been doing it for, for many, many years and um, uh, it's building on all these kind of memories that I have with the choir. I think one of the, the, the most important thing is, is to be able to feel like we've contributed culturally to the community, which I think we, we really have. Um, and we try to offer music for our local communities so they don't have to travel very far to hear what we hope is quality um, choral music. And when we bring in an orchestra, they'll hear an orchestra as well. Uh, I think also giving, since we become a professional organization, giving um, young singers, especially, and um, you know, more advanced singers, opportunity to make money in their in their career and their path. That's been a real joy for me. Um, a lot of times, you'll you, I'll see musicians go to school and they'll get their degrees in music, and you know, what do I do next? Kind of a thing. Right. And to even though we're offering them just part time work, it's still it kind of fills a need that they'll do other things to make it work. But to offer that employment um is is also significant um for them and i think just just representing um our community like we've tried to do uh is is so fulfilling for for the whole organization i mean sometimes that opportunity is all you need to kind of start your passion and career path so that's really great Mm -hmm. that's that's really true because a lot of the singers have when they've um, left the choir they've moved or or whatever they've they stay in touch and say, this was really meaningful for me. And it was kind of part of my building block in my career as a teacher, music teacher or music educator or music performer. They, they list, they, they remember us as being part of that cog in the wheel, you know? So that's, that's hugely um, rewarding. Definitely. And yeah. so, I mean, obviously you see people kind of grow and develop. Is there something that you always try to instill in your members to keep kind of that consistency? I think there's, um, Quite a, quite a bit of that, that I really pride ourselves on the fact that we're a community. I think any choir, if you join a choir, um, you feel like you're part of a family, yeah. uh, just like you are a, a, you know, a sports team. You know, when you join a, a, a baseball team or soccer team, you, you're at that moment, you're really part of a bigger thing than just you. Right. And I, I think instilling part instilling family has been a huge part of it. And I firmly believe in stilling the fact, especially in a choir, that no one is better than the next. You know, I remind them, you may think you are, <laughs> but it, we're a choir for a reason. And that is to um, to make music collectively as an ensemble. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, support the, the voices that may not be as strong as yours, be compassionate singers, 
um, you know, sing with that idea of compassion, knowing that maybe your voice is stronger, so you need to bring the other voice along with you. Um, I think that breed, brings about a really healthy environment for making really good um, music making. Um, and I also encourage my singers to sing with imagination. Not only are we collectively trying to make music, but we're a choir that relies on each individual person contributing as much they, uh, they can as much as they can through their own craft and through their own imagination you know it, it shouldn't just be we're not just a one amoeba kind of working together then we, we we rely on everybody you know everybody working hard and uh being prepared and that's the other thing as a professional organization i i expect them to come prepared for rehearsals we don't we don't teach notes in our choir necessarily um, you know, once in a while we'll have to review things, but I expect them to be prepared with their notes ready to go. And, you know, you're paid to perform and, and not to, we're not here to teach you music. You know, we're here to, we're here to instruct you when you can, when we need to on, on ensemble making, but you know, that part needs to be done on your own, you know, yeah, so individual responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Taking individual responsibility. And that's been, that's something that the choir, it's wonder, it's been wonderful to see them really embrace that. Yeah. There were there were moments I remember when we first started uh, where I would things that things just weren't, you know, in the early rehearsals weren't going right. So not to be mean or anything, I would just go, OK, Sally, sing that line of music for me, would you please? You know, as soon as you do one or you do that once or twice, it just the, the whole culture changes. Not to be I wasn't doing it to be mean, but I was yeah, just but to help out and make sure that, you, you know, know, it doesn't yeah. happen. It won't happen again. <laughs> week, you don't want to be called out and say, oh, I, yeah. I remember I my time during choir in middle school where like where I get called out, I'd be like, I would just freeze up and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it makes it better. Yes. Um, it, it makes the whole group. And if you if you do it in a way to where you're they get it's a safe environment for them. They, they, they trust the fact that they're there, that they're important and they're not being called out because you don't like them or you want them to just be as good as they can be. And that's the, the culture that we try to instill. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, and that fosters a sense of accountability too. I think that way it alleviates some of that from you and just kind of creates that culture and high performance quality, which is great. Mm -hmm. Do you have any particular performances that are just your favorite or stand out even just as a fun memory? I do. I have a couple. I'm going to try to refer to my notes here. Um, (laughs) One, one of the, uh, some of the, I think, really amazing memories I have in evolve around people that have been a part of it. One of the um, the moments in my life that's been so meaningful to me is meeting uh, other musicians and other people that impacted me and become my mentors. One being John Rutter. Um, he's a choral director and composer from England. He's probably one of the considered one of the best choral conductors in the world today or choral composers in the world today most well known and he came to our St. Charles Art Music Festival concerts um, in the early 90s and asked him to come once and perform he conducted us in a a performance of Mozart Requiem and um, he then came back seven times and uh, flew from England and conducted us. So all the performances so cool. with him, we did a premiere work of um, a piece that he wrote for us with George Shearing, the great jazz pianist. Um, and Mr. Shearing died maybe seven or eight years ago. 
and George was blind. Um, and so John Rudder was kind of the amanuensis. George would record the music at his, um, at his uh, uh, place in New York and send the, at that time a tape <laughs> to John and John would write the music out and send the music to me and we'd rehearse it and perform it. So George came and did the performance at the Arcata Theater with us. And um, it was just a remarkable experience. Uh, one of the things, touching moments of that, we had an open rehearsal then and we had a young boy who was a, um, a piano teacher of one of our singers um, attend the rehearsal and he was blind, he was 11 years old. And I introduced him to Mr. Shearing and uh, George said, come here up to the piano. I want to play piano with you. So he, he, sat, he sat down next to this young man and um, he has to now put your hands on the piano. And he did. And George put his hands over this little boy's hand. And he said, he, he said, just let me lift your hands up and play the music with you. And he played Send in the Clowns and sang it. You know, the whole place was just in tears, yeah. you know, watching this happen. Yeah. Those moments, those moments, you know, for me are are just remarkable. Where those you you get to really feel the power of music working through people, even outside of, of a performance. Another right. one I another one I remember um, was we were at Baker Church performing a it's it was called the Lord Nelson Mass by Haydn with an orchestra and soloists and choir. And all of a sudden we had a thunderstorm go through and the power went out <laughs> during the concert, right? And it was just an evening performance. So sure enough, we, I just decided to keep conducting. I could barely see any, the orchestra couldn't see me really. The choir really couldn't see me, but we kept going for about 30 seconds, 34, and the power went on and we were, we didn't miss a beat. <laughs> it was just powered no, we, by we the power of positivity. Positivity. <laughs> Somehow we just kept it going. You know, we were not going to let it stop. That was another, um, that's another awesome moment. Yeah. Just, I think, um, things like that are, are, powerful moments in my life um, that remind you know of me of the the beauty and the joy of music making and they some of them come about when those are there are moments where you just you're either filled with joy or filled with terror like I was with the Haydn mass but uh, other other than that just I think of all the concerts that we've given over the years there's been wonderful memories made from from all of them really yeah Absolutely. And, you know, kind of going through the, the past, let's talk about the future as well with, you know, the, the Mozart. Well, I guess we'll go through the past too, because, you know, it's been a huge part of this is the Mozart journey. You know, mm -hmm. what is it, you know, when did it begin and what is its importance to you? Mm -hmm. it, around 2010, uh, this would have been a, a year that we are approaching our 250th anniversary. I mentioned to our board, I said, we need really something our, our 25th anniversary, we need something to um, propel us forward in the next decade, you know, and I, I said it would be really nice to focus on a composer's work, you know, if we could, and maybe have that be a part of what we do. And so I looked at various composers and I came on to Mozart as being one to consider and eventually one to do and, and focus on a genre of his music that um, I felt that was underperformed in many ways. Um, even myself, knowing with a degree in music, knowing a lot of his choral music, didn't know <laughs> as much as I thought I knew. That's for sure. When I looked at all the the music that was out there and finding recordings of of pieces that he had um, that recorded of his, but very few recordings of them. So assuming that 
this would be a, a really a good project for the choir. Number one, we'd, we'd learn a repertoire. We'd get to get in the mind of a composer as best we could, and we could take on this amazing journey. So I, I put together a plan of 17 concerts when I looked at all the repertoire with, uh, and I, I actually formed a group of kind of an artistic advisory group with me, um, made up of uh, Jonathan Saylor, who's the uh, music head of musicology at uh, Wheaton College. I wanted his historical perspective on it. And then um, Tom Yang, who's been our concert master for all these concerts, I included him and also our principal ob oboe player, who's our hirer for our orchestra. So we formed kind of this artistic team once I decided this is what I want to do. And we put together 17 concerts. And within that um, idea, we wanted to put together music that would kind of be um, contrasting, you know, that would show Mozart in different views, different kind of sounds and also includes some instrumental music of his. So it started in um, in 2010, really on the basis of the, the fact that we we really felt that a lot of his music was underperformed. And uh, it would be a really an interesting project, which it has been. It's been just, uh, and we, at that moment, I, at that time, I said to the board, I think, I think we could probably do this in eight, maybe 10 years. That was our kind of, and we budgeted and like I could talk about the when I think about the journey, I think about the um, challenges from an artistic standpoint, but also from a business standpoint, a financial standpoint, which, which we knew going into it were going to be significant. Um, so it's kind of been a twofold approach on it. So that's when it really started, um, yeah, and uh, and why it started really. And from there, I put together, as I mentioned, these these concerts. Um, I think. The, the, it, there's some things that we learned about this project along the way artistically that uh, we didn't know going into it. We discovered that we're, we think we're going to be the first uh, American choir that's ever performed all of his sacred music and awesome. recorded, every, and recorded wow. it. So, and we didn't know that going into it. That wasn't my intention. It was to be the first. Still, anything. It's a it nice was, little, you know, it's a nice thing. Hat. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the feather um, in the hat. <laughs> it, yeah. It's a, so it's been really monumental. Um, to do it. And uh, we put together a passport at the very beginning, our first concert, we developed a, a passport. So people that can come at each journey concert would have their passport stamped, kind of give them a part of the journey. Yeah. And we have uh, several people that were, have been to every one, um, all 17 wow. concerts. So we, we decided um, you know, that we wanted to create kind of a rubric cube of interesting, colorful, you know, concerts that would really describe the uh, Mozart's beauty. And the thing about Mozart is that that we discovered in his music is that people know his operas, like, you know, the magic flute and, you know, the marriage of Figaro and gorgeous melodies, right? They knew his requiem, they knew his coronation mass, but they don't know, we didn't know um, all this incredible music mm -hmm. uh, that has not been performed as tuneful as all these other music that he's written. Um, and so I would ask the audience, I would say, raise your hand if you've ever heard this piece, this mass in whatever, um, mass in G, no one would raise their hand. I'd ask the choir, who's ever sung this piece before? Before you started rehearsing, nobody would raise their hand. And I'd ask the choir, these are all professional orchestral players who play great orchestras in Chicago, Grant Park, Chicago Symphony Lyric. No one, none have played it. So it's like, it's a big discovery for all of us to be able to perform this brilliant musician, right? Um, on the level of Mozart and to explore this repertoire. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously with all the, the years that you guys have gone over, it's been 12 years since you've started, right? Mm -hmm. Right. 12 and, years. 
Yeah. And, you know, that'll be culminating in this summer in August, correct? Like the, correct. the journey will come to an end. <laughs> mm-hmm. The journey will come to an end. Yeah. Um, in no, August, is there any, uh, oh, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 no. In August, we're going to do his Requiem. That's a fitting ending, right? To do his, his most famous work. And the one that is shrouded in so much mystery, you know, was he poisoned or was he, you know, how did Mozart die at such a young age? Um, that will be a great way to end it. And one of the things, if I could just mention a couple th- more things about the music itself. Yeah. It's so interesting um, is that much of his choral music, sacred choral music, was written when he was just a, a, a little kid. This weekend um, in April, uh, this coming weekend, we're performing his mass. Uh, it's called K139. It's this mass in C minor. It's 45 minutes long. He wrote it when he was 12. And he wrote it as a um, dedication to an, an orphanage, uh, to a, a chapel that was being built in this orphanage in Vienna. So he conducted the first performance and a lot of the boys in the choir would have been his age. (laughs) So here's this 12 year old boy conducting this music that he just wrote um, with these singers and his brilliance and his genius comes through this youthful music. Uh, A lot of this, as I mentioned, his sacred choral music was written when he was just a teenager. And then he got interested in other things. He was writing operas and he was writing symphonies and he was writing all sorts of things. And he fell away from the sacred music part But it's really interesting to me that at the very end of his life, you know, one of the last pieces he writes is kind of a return to that genre. It's very possible that Mozart, before he died, when he was just 36, was given, was offered an appointment, you know, um, as as a job as a choral director, music director in Vienna somewhere. We're not completely sure about that. Mm. But um, so he was returning to his roots. The the financial aspect of this has been an interesting process. As a, as a 501c3, we relied on the generosity of patrons and also grants. Our executive director, Kay Kendall, is a, has been heroic. She came on board the first year we started this journey, and we joked together, do you regret having to do that? Because it's essentially, it's, it, the whole journey will cost about $800,000 when we wow. finish it. And we're, a, we're an organization with a budget of about two hundred fifty to $300,000 annually a year. So it's, a, it's been a significant um, process. It's been a significant um, dedication on the part of our board. Uh, and we got help along the way that you know, I, I sometimes relate it to this journey, a 12-year journey is running a marathon. I've never run a marathon before. I can only imagine what it's like on mile 12, you know, right. when, you're by, when you're kind of by yourself, you know, and the, the fans aren't around necessarily and no one's there to, you know, do one of these for you. I kind of felt that way at around... 2000 and maybe 15 when we were midway through are we going to be able to finish this you know it's so expensive it's so you know it's a lot it's a it's it's beautiful but you know it's financially it's just because we were hiring an orchestra too right right so here comes along a gift um from one of our patrons to um buy an, an organ for us and we i prior to that we i had to travel in a rent a van we had to travel and rent a van i would uh, uh, borrow it uh, an organ f- suitable for this music from northwestern university a friend of mine and i'd meet him late at night and we'd haul this instrument into a rented van and i'd drive it back and and one of our patrons heard the story of me going back and forth northwestern for all these years and they said you know we what if we got an organ for you <laughs> you know <laughs> so ended up giving us a gift of forty five thousand nice. dollars to put to purchase this organ but wow. it, it was the seed that generated further giving it was like we right. used it as a um 
as a matching gift. And that was that was at year 2015. And that got us out of the woods, you know, that got us into that we can see the finish line, that moment, right. you know, wow, it was just in, hugely impactful. And uh, I give a lot of credit to our board to hang in there with it. We had um, the Illinois Arts Tour funding organization, which supports a lot of uh, not-for-profits in Illinois was also, we um, were very fortunate to be able to get that. It's called the Illinois Council Agency Arts Tour and Live Music Grant that we've been able to get for the past six years. That's yeah. helped us, you know, provide the funds that we are necessary for um, the orchestra and guest artists and things like that. So, yeah, Jeff. So, I yeah. mean, you know, now with the end in sight, you know, is there any anxiousness? Is there excitement? Is it, you know, ideas on starting to see where we're next to take the St. Charles Singers? Well, there's, I think there's going to be, there's certainly anxiousness and um, huge joy that we're going to be able to know that we completed this journey. Um, I think honestly, there'll be a little bit of a void, you know, um, in all of our lives that we're, boy, you've put so much effort into, mm-hmm. we put all together into this and it's all of a sudden gone. But I think when voids are created, you just, the energy is there to fill it up with something. And exactly. uh, there's a lot of things in, in our world today coming out of COVID, um, uh, the needs of, when we look at the, the needs in the world relating to social issues and equality and you know there's a lot that music can do to speak to these issues that be a part of of telling a story of some kind um and i think that our, our music is going to reflect that yeah. it always has but i think um moving forward we're going to be perhaps more intentional about that um and so uh, i'm looking forward to dreaming we haven't come up with programs yet to fill mozart uh, it probably won't be another composer though <laughs> <laughs> unless it's a composer that's only written a few things you know You're right. <laughs> um, but it, it's going to be it'll be exciting it'll be hopefully valuable to the community and yeah and, and interesting absolutely so and um you know we're getting short on time here so we have to wrap up pretty quickly um mm-hmm. you know how and when uh can people come watch you and the saint charles singers perform well, we have, a, a, I think, a pretty robust website, um, www.stcharlessingers.com. Yep. Um, and so people can, you can buy tickets on, on, online. Um, we, you can buy them. We have an office in St. Charles. You can call our office. We have a out, ticket outlet, St. Charles, uh, the bookstore, Townhouse Books, um, offers tickets as well. So uh, you can do that um, and check out our upcoming season that we're going to be um, bringing out shortly for 2022 and 23. Um, that will come out shortly. And then also our final concert in, in August, uh, the Mozart Requiem. Um, I think if you've never heard Mozart before, uh, maybe this is the one to, to go to. And it might be, you know, um, just the one that turns you onto his music, you know, experiences other things. We are gonna record this music and put it on our website. Um, we are, we've recorded it all. We'll have it available on our website. So people that Perfect. have missed journeys can come back and listen to it. Awesome. Wow. So that'd be great. And yeah. Yeah, well, that'll bring us to our last question, Jeff. Is there anything that you'd like to say to the St. Charles community before we wrap up the video? Um, If you've never tried singing in a choir before, sing. (laughs) There are 54 million people in the United States that sing in a choir. I I couldn't believe that when I heard that. Of course, America did a study, and it brings, even if you don't think you can sing, um, singing is a healthy experience. I've found that to be so true. So I encourage anybody to join a choir, sing. 
it's it's yeah, wonderful. Especially St. Find. Charles Singers. If <laughs> yeah, they, there you go. <laughs> give it a try out. <laughs> give it a try. <laughs> so are we are we gonna be looking forward? Your guys' next event will be like an American Idol like audition where you, <laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> right, Choir America or something like that. Right. St. <laughs> Charles Idol. Here we go. St. Charles Idol. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. awesome. Well, Jeff, we really appreciate the time. It is so I mean, it's truly our honor to get to learn about you and the St. Charles Singers because you guys, you know, just going through the history, you guys have done so much to bring culture and music and just life to our community with Thank you. your amazing events. I've always loved your candlelight carols, right? That's what it's called, the Christmas yeah, one. Right. Always love that performance. I think, you know, that's so great. And just, I, I mean, I, I hope I get a chance to come see the Mozart one because I think that's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. Mm-hmm. And for anyone watching, go check it out. See if you can get a ticket. Go see if you can clear your schedule. Go, go watch this performance because it's going to be phenomenal to say the Thank least. You. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a joy to be part of this today with you both. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, that'll wrap up our video here. So thank you all again for watching. We'll have more videos coming down the road. So until then, everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you again for watching our video here. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. So uh, if you haven't, go check out some of our other content. There's so much information out there to learn about our amazing businesses, people in St. Charles, and so much more. If you have some time, we'd like to share some information with you about some amazing, amazing things that you can take advantage of to stay in tune with what's going on here in St. Charles. So the first up being go to our website. Um, if you go to our website, you can see all the amazing things that you know uh, St. Charles offers but, uh, as we have so much information on there. You can find our happy hour hub, live music schedule, um, where to stay for a weekend, and so much more, especially to our events. Make sure to go to our events page, see all the events that are happening throughout the year, get them on your calendar because they are so much fun. You don't want to miss them. So again, www.sccalliance.org, go check all that information out and go have some fun and plan your stay here in St. Charles. Another great way to stay informed on what's going on in St. Charles is our What's Up St. Charles newsletter. If you haven't, make sure to sign up for that. You can also sign up for that on our website by scrolling all the way to the bottom of the page. In the bottom, there'll be a place where you can put your email in and sign up for the newsletter. Um, it's a great way to stay informed on any of the major events that are coming up or anything going on in our businesses. We have businesses that put in deals, specials, and events in there. So it's a great way to stay on top of and check out some great places if you're interested. Last is we've been super, super excited and happy about our Travel St. Charles app. It's been awesome to see the reception as people have really been enjoying it and getting to use it to its full extent. If you haven't checked it out, make sure to because you can take part and our new brewery tour challenge, where if you go to six breweries, you can win a t-shirt. Check that out. But we also have a little promo here that's going to talk about the app a little bit. So here's our little video on our Travel St. Charles app.